Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, just to, before we begin, I just want to confirm some pronunciation uh, issues that I may encounter. Uh, yes. It's pronounced the weather statian. <laughs> Am I saying uh, that right? Station. Station. Okay. Station. Yeah. And it's uh, Tamara Lindman. Yeah. Okay. Weather station. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure I have that correct. <laughs> Creative control with Vish Hey, this is the first episode of 2015, and feels good to be back. It's been a weird month off. Well, only weird because I missed doing the show, but also because I didn't really miss doing the show. Kind of like not doing anything. I had a month off because we had a kid. We had another kid, my wife and I, and that has its own challenges, obviously, a lot of work. So I didn't really notice the stuff I wasn't doing, which is weird. I'm a creature of habit. Anyway, it's we're, I'm working it out. I'm back to normal. We'll see how normal things can be. And I'm very happy to say that the first episode of the year features Tamara Lindman, a.k.a. The Weather Station. And she's someone I've, uh, I'm a big fan of, but I haven't really had a chance to have a long chat with her in this setting. I've talked to her uh, informally, of course. We're, we're, we're acquaintances, so I've had conversations with her. But this was really fun and super revealing. There's like a bombshell, for me anyway, I think... Some of you will, when you hear this, will be like, yeah, I heard that already. But I didn't know a big thing that was revealed to me about Tamara on this episode. So pay attention to that. You're going to hear a brand new song from her excellent new EP, which is called What Am I Going to Do With Everything I Know? And it's a beauty. I love it. So that's the deal. That's what uh, you're going to hear today. It's uh, the weather station and... That's it. It's good to be back. I hope you missed the show. Never mind. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Gemma Bovary, Foxcatcher, Gone Girl, Transcend, and more. And on Sunday, January 11th, Guelph's Douglas Davey reads from his new novel, Switch, at the E-Bar. 
The bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. captivating singer and vivid lyricist who operates under the moniker The Weather Station. Currently based in Toronto, Lindemann has been a member of notable bands like Entire Cities, Bruce Peninsula, and Marine Dreams, and she's collaborated with Baby Eagle, Bahamas, Doug Paisley, Siskiyou, and more. She recently released a beautiful observational EP called What Am I Going to Do With Everything I Know, which is out now on the fine North American label You've Changed Records, and precedes the spring release of her next full-length album, Loyalty. The weather station appear to play a song or two on my long night talk show at Long Winter at the Great Hall in Toronto on Friday, January 9th at around 8 p.m. And here to discuss it further is Tamara Lindemann. Hi, Tamara. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Where are you? I'm at home. Where is that? Uh, in Toronto. In Toronto, that's nice. You yeah, live in the Toronto. The big smoke. Big smoke. I uh, I'll level with you. I'm a little nervous. Of Toronto? No, I'm not nervous about Toronto. I I can deal with Toronto. I can take it. No, I am rusty. Doing the show. I haven't done the show. Like I took a month off. For really? The, for the yeah, this is the first one I've done in hmm. a while. I didn't realize. Well, I don't know if you could tell, but I could feel it in my halting introduction there. I just. <laughs> Something wasn't right. I feel like something isn't right. Did it seem off to you? Um, yeah, actually, I think you need to do it again. Should I do the whole thing over? No, definitely not. I think I think it was okay. I I, I think I got through it. I just want you to. I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, making excuses right off the bat. But I'm just. I appreciate that you're the first. I'm actually very happy that you're the first interview of 2015 for me. Well, it's only four days in. That's not too bad. I guess. I just. Yeah. It's been a. You know, I had another baby. Yeah, I did know. Yeah, so that's been very um, time-consuming. That's amazing. It is amazing, but as I mentioned, time-consuming. Yeah. And I'm just now getting back into the swing of things. So anyway, it's good. I'm glad we're chatting. I want to ask you about your EP because there's a pensiveness on what am I going to do with everything I know that I find rather, um, I guess, haunting might be a word. There's this... I think there's often a tension between confidence and doubt. 
And I feel like these songs live in that space. And I'm curious, is that dynamic of, uh, you know, like that kind of, it's not a group dynamic, but a relationship dynamic of, all right, let's do this. And I don't know if we should be doing this. Is that, is that, <laughs> is that of interest to you, that, that tension there? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, that's the record. I mean, it's 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 at once a sort of a description of kind of being in love and kind of being ridiculous about it and letting yourself kind of be head over heels. But then it, it's also like, what what is that, you know, to do that? What does that mean at, at my age? Um, and I mean, the EP was like a record that, you know, I was afraid to release and and didn't want to release so you know because i don't i don't know i didn't think it was good enough (laughs) um were you i probably shouldn't i shouldn't admit to things like that no no no, i I didn't think it was good enough um but obviously it you know it it was and it had something to say and and that but yeah no steve steve um lampke from you've changed kind of talked me into it which i really appreciated it what do you so what you recorded this this it's uh what is it six songs six songs yeah you recorded them and you shared them with Steve and then you were like I don't want to put these out which is this happens from time to time someone will spend time making a thing and then they'll think about it and be like I don't think this is the thing I wanted to now we're talking about the tension that I was referring to earlier but about this record all totally right, all right yeah. let's do this and I don't know if we should be doing this it's the same totally so what why is there so much sure-footedness and clumsiness, I suppose, <laughs> going on within you and, and about this batch of songs? I don't know. I mean, I kind of just feel like that's my personality. I, I don't think I've ever been certain of anything. <laughs> I'm pretty much, you know, I'm a thinker and I'm not a doer. So I think about things a lot and <laughs> I'm very comfortable thinking about things a lot and when I actually act, it's like when I actually move forward and do something, it's it's always with an eye to, you know, all the consequences. And, when, you you know. say, when you say you're a thinker, you mean you're an overthinker. Oh, yeah, of course. We're all, most of us, sentient, thinking no, beings. No, honestly, not everyone is. Oh, that's right. You live in Toronto. No, no, no. I think Toronto's full of overthinkers, but I just mean I, you know... I have this history of, of, of because I'm an overthinker, I, I have this history of collaborating with people who aren't overthinkers, who are doers. Oh, I see. I see. Like, um, like Romano is like, you know, he's just like, what do you think about guitar? And then he'll like pick it up and start playing. He's like, ah, no, it's not working. Never mind. Let's try this. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, well, maybe it might have worked. Maybe, I don't know. Like, how do you feel like, you know, about like the record as a whole or sort of like other and he's like what are you talking about uh here's a pedal steel part i just made it up it's awesome and i'm like oh great okay yeah but that's a doer and a thinker <laughs> at the same time you talk about dan romano that's a guy that'll just pick up anything and start doing it whether you want him to or not and then he'll have a moment of doubt and think about it and he'll stop doing it it's true yeah but he's you, also a thinker but, but he's but, a yeah. brash in recent years in particular i i don't know dan well i guess i know him okay yeah but he has always had a bit of he's a self-starting kind of confident man yes and he's a man of conviction like he trusts his convictions i guess totally which that's not an easy feat particularly if you're a sensitive artist type no it isn't it isn't it's it's quite fascinating actually 
uh, why do you think relationships exist? <laughs> well, the, like, why, why not have relationships exist? Well, you're pondering all this stuff on this EP. I am, yeah. And I think part of it is like, why am I even embroiled in this situation? Why are we... Because you're talking about it, you have this uh, you have this very unique way of writing, where I think there is um, subtlety. But I, it's so vivid. I feel like I could, you know, when you're talk, when you're writing of walking on streets and lights, and I can just see it mm-hmm. all. I, I I appreciate that. So there's a directness to it, but I think there's also this. It's like a riddle. I f- I feel like I know what's going on, but it's also done very artfully. But at the core of it is just this like what this this brain this this drain on us that is that is the a, a relationship <laughs> and, and how it bolsters us and destroys us at the same time totally i mean i, I totally I, i'm a big you know i think relationships are kind of only natural if you come to know somebody of course you kind of i mean i you just kind of love everybody i mean not everybody but if you get to know someone well enough, you kind of can't help but love them and, and be frustrated with them and <laughs> and not know how to relate. And, you know, I think what am I going to do with everything I know is the title for a reason, because it's like, you know, if you're if you're trying to fall in love and, and allow yourself to be hopeful, you know, of course, at the same time, there's, you know that there's lots of different ways that things can go wrong. And and, you know, what do you do with all that knowledge? Um I'm sorry, I got a bit off track. What was the the question you were originally asking me was like w- why I write the way I do, I guess. No, I asked you why relationships exist. Yeah, that's true. That's a big question. It's a bigger question than why you write the way you, Well, maybe I was going to ask you if you see yourself as more of a third or first person songwriter. Um <laughs> like as in is it like I or is it, you know, well, not not literally. I mean, I think you can. Uh, I, I didn't even mean it in that sense. I mean, mm-hmm. are you drawing? Are we to hear this record <laughs> and feel like we have a window into your life, or do you feel like I described it earlier? And I don't know what you made of it, but I described it as observational. Yeah, no, it is very observational, and I think I was thinking about this recently, actually, like to do with because I'm sort of trying to think about like what the new record means and like how to present it. And, and that was sort of a big thing I thought of was that I do seem to my, my style of writing. And I think my style of living also is I sort of just observe everything and then I just put it down and I don't draw a conclusion. You know what I mean? Like there's no conclusion to be drawn. Like I, I just saying there's this and there's also this and these things contradict each other and and then there's this other piece of information and then there's this other sort of feeling and this other observation and that's all you know end of the song <laughs> nice. um you know I think that that that's just more interesting to me and i I definitely have noticed that i you know a lot of people I know are moved to write songs by like if they feel a strong emotion or they feel you know deep happiness or sadness that's you know that's when they want to write a song. And for me, I find that I want to write a song when there's something I'm confused about or like I don't fully understand or if there's a moment in my life or or a memory or something that's happened that I just can't like I can't figure it out. I can't figure out, you know, why I did what I did or like why I said or or why I felt the way about it. Like that's the thing that tends to come up in songs, even and- if it's. It's a very minor thing, you know. It's 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 always the confusion that's most interesting to me to write about. So, how often have you actually 
resolved the matter that's confused you by writing a song? Oh, I don't think I've ever resolved it, but it definitely feels better. It's therapeutic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So is it fair to say that these songs reflect a, some period of... They obviously reflect a period of <laughs> contemplation. Do they reflect a period of transition for you personally? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I'd, I'd met someone and fallen in love and decided to embark on another relationship and and everything that came with that. So, yeah, that was a big change. Right. So it yeah. does reflect change. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, you we mentioned Daniel Romano a lot uh, earlier. Yeah. and. What I what I wanted to say about Dan is that he he is very weird, and <laughs> and I wonder if you can talk about why you think Daniel Romano exists. You know, I mean, he's never going to listen to this podcast, is he? No, no, not at all. He's particularly in recent years, he's gone very. Unless I can put this on some kind of Victrola, that he can. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, but he has an iPhone now. We don't know what he's up to. He he has one. No, he's, like, he's always When had... I met him, he didn't have a phone at all. Oh, come he on. He was like complete an... analog. No, he's had an iPhone forever. No, not forever. Yes, when he we has. When we made... Yes. Oh, it was mine. He didn't have one. What year was that? 2010. Oh, he said... Okay, maybe you're right. He's definitely had one. He actually wrote a song for my son on his iPhone. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he told... Like, he met Levon and I explained uh that's my son and he and i explained to him that uh to dan that levon sometimes got his he was a kid he was like a little like one-year-old or two-year-old and he would mix up his words a little and he would call guitars tagar oh no would he even say that yeah he would say tagar it wasn't (laughs) and it wasn't i didn't it's like i don't think it was just a thing he decided i don't think it was any kind of disability or anything he's Mm -hmm. fine he's fine he's got it now but yeah dan wrote a whole song sort of with backward words and a nice melody that he just recorded on his iPhone. I think he was writing songs while driving, <laughs> which is illegal. That's so sweet. Like he would, yeah. he would record them on his like voice memos on his iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And so I think he's written a lot of songs that way. He told me that. I believe that. That's a. I've. 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 Well, I haven't. See, the difference between Dan and I is he writes songs while he's driving. I write like fragments of songs that I never finish while I'm driving. Well, it's that doer and thinker thing. I think totally. He, I mean, maybe eventually his luck will run out, but I think I think that's a good. I think it's a good practice. I guess we. I kind of employ that too. Uh, here's the thing: it's done. Move on. No, totally, and it's you know, it's definitely he uh, had a good effect on me in that in that way, and that I sort of learned to do that from him. I mean, not that I'm very good at it, but I definitely learned to do it more than I would have. No, Without, you're, you're yeah. good. You're good. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I'm okay. I think it's good to be self-critical. Totally. Yeah. And self-aware, yeah. and not just yeah. Anyway, no. I want to ask what the actual. I guess you described the experience of working with him. It, it is that doer thinker th- thing. He's an idea mm-hmm. guy. He's an idea guy, and he executes because he can. Yeah. I mean, he's not even. He's not. It's not fair. I mean, he's. He can play anything and at a very high level. And it's just not fair. No, no. Um. So you know, there's nothing to be said about that. It's like, what do you want on your record? Like, you don't need to hire anyone. He's there. So uh, he and I noticed he. Uh, you know, this happens from time to time. You look at someone's liner notes, and it'll say Daniel Romano. Like on each song, you've got the listings of what people do, mm-hmm. and it'll say like Daniel Romano. 
guitar, bass, drums. Like he's just doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. At the same time, and and that's just that's not that when you say he did he actually produce the the record as in a sense that you 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 kind of hand, handed it over to him. Well, that's what happened on all of it was mine. Like definitely he, you know. All of it was mine was like I had some songs and I was I was actually recording them in Toronto and then I I met Dan and he was like no nah, like let me record them and I was like who who are you exactly yeah, like, just like what what's happening um, and then he he talked me into it and and we made that whole record really quickly and you know he he produced it um, and then on this one I was like well you know I had a whole bunch more songs and I was like I guess like let's let's give this another shot so we got together and recorded a bunch of songs we actually recorded like a whole album. I know a whole other album and the end. And then I sort of walked away and kind of thought like, this isn't, it didn't feel like a whole album, uh-huh. you know, like it didn't uh-huh. feel like it was enough for a full length record. And then, you know, I also met some people in the States who were like, let's record together. And I was like, sure. So I, I recorded with them for a weekend and got a whole bunch of other great songs. <laughs> um, so I kind of had this like too many songs, but not enough songs. It, it was funny. Like I, it really, I'm really not coming across in the best light here, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had no plan. I recorded a bunch of songs that didn't weren't a full record. And honestly, I just, I, I put it that I just saved everything to my hard drive and kind of walked away and I made a whole other record. Right. This is loyalty. Yeah. Like okay. from scratch. Okay. You know, with different songs, whole different worlds. Different, so different people. Yeah. Different people. So when that was finished, I kind of like came back home and, and Steve was like, well, I, I really liked your other record that you made. <laughs> I thought that was great. And I was like, no, it was, it's no good. You know? And he's like, I think you're crazy. And then um, for some reason, we just hit on this idea of like having it be shorter and, and sort of paring it down. And, and that was how it really worked for me. And then I kind of came up with that track listing. Um, I believe Steve helped. And, and that was when it, clicked for me as it, it was just this beautiful like there was the kind of three songs that i'd always thought were related the, the first three songs yeah and then the second three songs that also were kind of like you know the beginning middle end of a story and and they went together really well and i was like oh okay like this is worth releasing and i really love this piece exactly as it is you know with nothing else on so it. so there are what a, a few other songs from this same period that yeah are floating somewhere floating yeah yeah well, wow, that's a shame because I love. It I mean, I love these songs. I love this. Re- I love this record. I think it's yeah. really wonderful. And I and I I don't mean to. I know you're a, you're a fan of the of the Steve Lamke writing. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And and I noticed. Is he an influence on you? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. It's it's interesting because he. Um... I've actually been a fan of Steve without really realizing it for a long time. Cause like I was a huge fan of the Constantines and I always loved his songs and the cons a lot, you know, like how he'd always have like one or two songs on a record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I met Dan and Dan was like, you know, talking about you've changed. And I was like already a huge fan of you've changed. And then I bought, um, or I got dog weather and I was just like the biggest fan of that record. Me like, too. The baby Eagle record. Yeah. I, I love that record. I try to turn everybody I know onto it. I listened to it. I I had one, there was this one crazy, I was flying to Australia to see my friend who was uh, in hospital and I 
I don't know. I, it was like a 24 hour flight. And for some reason I just like, didn't really like have much music on my phone. And I, I like listened to that record like 20 times on that flight. And it was like great every time. So, it, so yeah, I think that, uh, that's an excellent, and I've told this story numerous times. I don't know if, I think I've told it a few times, even on the show mm-hmm. that I was, Steve handed me that record in the Yukon mm-hmm. and I just, couldn't stop reading the lyric sheet because yeah. I, I, it unfolds in in a beautiful he's got a sense of narrative that i think few songwriters have and uh you know i don't want to embarrass him by suggesting he's underappreciated because it what good does that do really is that i know you, you did the, you said the same thing i try to turn people onto this record and yeah i know <laughs> i lately 2015 for me is all about well you snooze you lose I feel like if people are missing out on good stuff, screw them. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't. I don't mean that seriously. But I think that that is a, an astonishing work. That yeah, I just don't. I agree with you. I don't think people. I don't know that people know it as much as we know it. And and no, are, no, totally. And and yeah, it, I'm a huge fan of that record. And 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 like you say, like I think the coolest thing about it and about all these records is that I can listen to it over and over again. You know, or listen to it. You know, again, like I could listen to the that record tonight or or Bone Soldiers and just like get something out of it that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he, that's the genius of his lyrics, I think. And and so when I was reading your lyrics mm. on this EP in particular, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a fan of yours and I have been for some time now, and I've been you know following the records and all that. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. something struck me, and it's something that reminded me of Steve. And oh. and obviously there's a context here you know it's got you've changed on it that's partially Mm -hmm. steve's label and all that stuff but i'm i i think that uh you know you've kind of corroborated that you know his presence is there within you Mm -hmm. now and i think that's it's cool like it's cool to be able to write songs and tell stories kind of at once i know that it seems like that's something a lot of people do but i don't know that a lot of people do it very well yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting to me cuz I wouldn't have thought that like I I one of the things that I really like about Steve's work and about like Dogweather for example was that it was like a record about staying still and like being in one place. Like there was no you know, like if you listen to like a Dan song, it's like somebody like gets murdered or like falls in, like not gets murdered but like falls in love or like gets like it's like a divorce or it's like something happens, yeah, you know. And yeah. in Steve's records like nothing has to happen for it to be like incredibly compelling. And, and, and it's just like, he can write about a narrative about a non narrative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really well, which I, I really respect. And I, I feel like I have a similar instinct perhaps. So this record I think is more narrative than any, well, I haven't made that many records, but <laughs> it's true, right? Like you, you yeah. mentioned that, that you've, you've, in sort of pondering the track listing and the sequence, these three songs fit together, yeah, like a story, yeah. And that's a that's a fulfilling thing for you. Is that something that's I don't I know you mentioned over email that you know you you hope that I, I'm hoping that you and I will speak again about loyalty mm-hmm. when it when it is released. And so I don't want to reveal mm-hmm. too much about it. But did that sort of narrative based songwriting or or threads between songs does that spill over into that record? Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Like, the one thing about loyalty is because it, it, like, 
I hadn't, I didn't like plan it as well because it kind of came out of nowhere that I had this chance to record. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. You know, and I kind of like threw together like everything I had, I just sort of put in a file. And, and I think what's, I actually really like the record lyrically, but it's, it's, um, it's less narrative and more like thematic. Like there's a lot of themes and sort of like interlapping, like a lot of the lyrics go together between songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd say it's less of a clear like story front to back, you know, because it would be very difficult to make a whole like 11 song record that was like as concise as the EP. But, right. um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of similarly of a piece, I think. Yeah. No, that's thematically. Yeah. Again, I don't want to spoil too much because I'm looking forward to hearing this thing for mm-hmm. myself. But no, uh, we'll, we'll we'll chat more about it, I guess, once uh, once I get to hear it. But um, yeah, uh, now you grew up in a small town somewhere. Yeah, I grew up in um, the country uh, north of Orangeville. North of Orangeville. Oh, you're like mm-hmm. relatively close to where I'm at. In... Yep, I grew up in Dufferin. Dufferin. Okay. Yep. And what was that like? <laughs> it was beautiful, actually. I, um, my parents are, you know, like they weren't like hippies, but they, um, they were kind of into the back to the land movement, I guess, in the seventies. And they bought, um, a big chunk of sort of empty land mm-hmm. in Mulner, um, township and just planted trees and built a house. And that's where I grew up. And it's very beautiful and very, very quiet and pretty special, special place. You didn't feel isolated necessarily? No. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I'm, I think a lot of people had that experience and, but you know, my parents are from Toronto. Uh, they grew up in Toronto and then they moved to the country in their early seventies and I was born and raised in the country and then moved to Toronto. So I have this sort of opposite experience. Oh, I see. Okay. Like to me, the country isn't, it's like, that's where it began. Like I didn't think I was isolated. Like I thought I was actually, I actually think I was pretty isolated as a kid. Because I was actually really kind of afraid of the city. Like, it seemed insane to me. And it seemed, like, really boring. Like, I didn't get why. And, like, I was just like, oh, it's just all these streets and stores. Like, what is the point? Like, it's right. so, you know, because to me, what was exciting was, like, you know, trees and, you know, like, animals and, and those sorts of things. So, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel isolated at all when I was a kid. But I definitely spent a fair bit of time alone. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Now, you you once told me that uh, the 1990s were a bit of a wash for you in terms of music. Um, yeah. Uh, can you elaborate upon that? Well, you know, I have a bit of a insecurity, actually, about... Well, I have lots of insecurities about being a musician, but, you know, I'm surrounded by people, you know, like Ian Kehoe or, like, Daniel Romano or, like... Steve, you know, people who started playing music as a teenager and always had impeccable taste and, you know, were way ahead of their time. And I, I played piano when I was a kid and I I sang, but I didn't, um, you know, I didn't learn guitar till I was in my twenties. And, you know, as a teenager, I listened to Ed 102.1 FM, which is terrible. Um, and I was really into all the Ken Con, like I really liked, you know, like Big Rack and Treble Charger and mm-hmm. like I, I liked, I, no, I can't admit it. I liked Nickelback when they first came out. I thought they were cool. Right. Um, because you were listening to the commercial rock station. Yeah. And on the commercial rock station, they seemed kind of like edgy and underground. Um, hmm. So I was, I was just not exposed to good 
you, you know, like I like my sister listened to Our Lady Peace and then like, you know, what, I'd take the tape from a room and listen, you know, like whatever. I, I listened to terrible music until I was in my 20s. But what triggered this notion that <laughs> some music was terrible and some wasn't like what? what something must have happened to trigger you into thinking like, wait a second, I haven't been listening to the cool music. Uh, well, I think I just didn't know the cool music existed. Like I actually have a very strong memory of listening to the radio late at night, like listening to edge one or two and when it would like switch over into this other program and it would play this like sort of like underground music. And I remember hearing Julie Dwan and the wooden stars. And I was like, Whoa, Like, I literally had never heard anything like that. Like, I was like, I can't believe, you know, and I wrote it down on like a piece of paper and like put it at my desk. And I was like, I have to figure out more about this person. But this was like before the internet, you know, like Mm -hmm. I had no, I had no conception of how to find music or what was out there. Like, I, I remember I got really into like, I had a, like a soundtrack from a movie that had like Portishead on it. And I was like, whoa, like, this is so cool, you know, and it was just one song. Like, I never bought the album (laughs) like it was just like wow you know um i really think it was just like nobody around me was getting deeper on music so i didn't know that was even a thing you could do and then i I moved to toronto and and uh you know just pretty much right away like once i moved to toronto got into music and you know i had friends who showed me the way and you know gave me all these mix cds and you know took me out to shows and then immediately i was like i actually became like a huge music fan sort of right away so your your upbringing wasn't necessarily socially isolating but potentially it was in retrospect it might have been culturally isolating well yeah totally i mean i went to school in in shelburne which is very much a small town and you know like people liked nirvana and they liked you know eminem when that came out like nobody was there were no shows or concerts happening there. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. You, what brought you to Toronto? Um, I just I, I went to U of T. So, uh, I was I was always like I always knew that I was going to move to Toronto the moment I could. Obviously. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. I wonder if I should have, sometimes I think I should have moved to Toronto. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to turn it on me. To learn more. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I went to, it's weird. I went to Guelph for university and then I just stayed. Oh, really? Like you've never lived in Toronto? No, I never have. Not once. That's crazy. I had no idea. What? Why is it? It's not crazy. I mean, that's a, that seems like a bit of a stretch to say it's crazy. I mean, God. Well, I, it's it's not crazy, but... Do, I, do I seem like a Toronto person to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just assumed <laughs> I just assumed that you lived in Toronto at some point because you know lots of people who live in Toronto and you're very aware of the scene. But yeah. But Guelph you, is very connected to Toronto, I would say. In some ways it is, and it's very close to Toronto. So you yeah. can... And I am a big fan of... Um, I'm becoming less enamored of it as I, not even as I get older, but as children uh, come out of my wife's body, I mm-hmm. am less enamored. I I like the driving home after a show mm. in Toronto. I I actually quite enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I find it, I like to think and drive, and I like driving at night. I I enjoy driving, so I kind of enjoy that aspect of being away from Toronto. Because I think if I lived there, I would miss that decompression time after seeing something really cool or hanging out with my friends yeah well i i think that the one thing about living in toronto is that that i notice is that people um who don't live in toronto take all the things that toronto has to offer uh way more seriously you know if you live in toronto you're kind of overwhelmed there's so much choice and there's so many great shows and there's so much going on you kind of don't after a certain point you get overwhelmed and you don't take advantage of it yeah and i think if you don't live in toronto you actually value it more all the things that toronto has yeah yeah i I, i've grown to i yeah i don't know but so you like it you mostly like toronto yeah i do i mean i don't i don't think that i i don't feel like i live in toronto but you know i live in my my house and on my street (laughs) you feel you don't you don't feel like you live in toronto do you do you anticipate do you foresee yourself owning a home or i i actually do own a home i i own my house you own your house in toronto yeah. Well, that's amazing. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean to be that surprised, but a lot of my uh, people who are my age, I talk <laughs> to them, and they're like, ah, "I'm going to move to Hamilton. I can't afford a house in Toronto." Oh no! I like. I can't either. I, I, it was just that I was a child actor. So uh, all through my teenagehood, I I was acting in television and. You were film. a child actor. I had no idea. Why didn't you tell really? me about that before? What? Because it's not interesting. Um, so yeah, so I had all this money. I, I was able to buy a house uh, in my early twenties. What kinds of things did you act in? <laughs> Tons. Can you tell me something like of note? I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's embarrassing. No, it's not at all, dude. You already admitted you listened to Nickelback and whatever the hell else you listen to. You're gonna post this and I'm gonna cry. No, it's like just why? like everything that's embarrassing. No. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. I... Like, were you in like what, like CBC shows or? Movies? Yeah. Were you in real movies? Uh, I I wasn't in very good movies, but I wasn't one good movie. But um, what was for it for the what, most part? Can you, can you tell us what the? Uh, I was in a movie called The Deep End. What was that about? I don't know The Deep End. Uh, well, it starred Tilda Swinton, who I think is a great actor. Oh wow! You got to. And did you have a big role in it? Not really. No, I I played her daughter. So I I just was like a child, like I'm not a child. I was like a teenager. So I was just like mom. That was like the extent of my um, my role was me saying, "Mom." And how old were you? I was fifteen. You were fifteen, and you were. And did you have like a stage name? Um, no. I mean, well, yes and no. 
I don't know. This is the secretive part of my life that I don't usually talk about on the internet. I say, what the hell? I didn't know you were a child actor. And you say, really? How did you not know that? Then I ask you very basic questions and you're not telling me anything. <laughs> so obviously this is something that not many people are aware of. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I guess not. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on i'm looking it up now the deep end uh-huh. 2001 this is what did it get here 6.7 stars really on that's I- it? imdb oh, okay well. well look at this look at i'm trying to find you here it hasn't aged very well i guess aha i found you so you did a bunch of stuff this is amazing why would you not tell me that you did this i i <laughs> wish i had known this before wow you were in and you're in a bunch of movies i'm sorry this is embarrassing for you probably on some level but <laughs> Have you done any acting of late? Um, yeah, I, I, I keep my hand in. Wait a minute, you're still doing like CBC stuff, or no? What, what, uh, what's the Murdoch mysteries? What is that? Well, I did a, I, this is a crazy story. I did a, a guest role on that eight years ago. Oh, but they um, didn't air it until now. No, no, they they aired it. Um, it was like one, a one sort of episode part, and. Uh, and then they, they actually decided to bring my character back. Um, it says here that in 2008, on an episode entitled Power, you yep. played Edna Garrison. And then in 2014, they brought you back for a series of... Oh, my God. One of the episodes is entitled <laughs> High Voltage. Do you know what kind of ACDC kick I am on right now? <laughs> my kid today, I was list- I had Highway to Hell in the car on the way to the daycare, and he insisted... We take it out to put high voltage in. That's amazing. This is ridiculous. How come you didn't tell me? I Wow. Because <laughs> I don't tell anyone about this. Oh, my this God. Is... You played Linda Kasabian in a Charles Manson movie? What the? <laughs> Holy hell. This is amazing. We could have so many amazing conversations. I mean, this, is, this yeah. has been good before. but So, no. <laughs> so wait a minute. I, I like all of our conversations. Don't get okay. me wrong, but this is okay. something. This I'm sorry. I'm just shocked. I am shocked. I I am, can't believe you didn't know that. Well, I just why assumed... would I know that? Why would I know that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like I thought you lived in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Well, geez, Louise. I'm also just missed. <laughs> so you can just so they okay. So they bring you back for this show. Yeah. And that's the last. What do you still have like representation as an actress? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you could you could continue you could continue to act. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the music business is not a, a really a, a high paying gig. Um, so do you do the do you see yourself doing the acting to support the music? Ah, uh, I see myself doing the acting to support you know eating, and uh, yeah, yeah, okay. and, and like you know, um, being able to to. Well, I wouldn't call it financial security, but I would call it uh, relative financial security. Now, have you made music videos as uh, the weather station? I can't think of any off the top of my head. I haven't yet. I'd really like to, though. I'd really like to. I have a lot of ideas. What's your? Um, did you go to U of T for drama? No, I went to U of T for history. Oh, so where's this acting thing? Well, you know, it's a funny... Like, I, I started acting when I was 13, and... Um, kind of by chance and kind of by accident. And I, I never thought that like I would do it for very long, uh-huh. but I was just like, sure, like I will try this. And it was really fun, you know, especially as a teenager. Like I, you know, I did grow up 
in a small town. And so for me, like getting to like fly around and like work and be on set was really exciting. And yeah, no, I can imagine. Really awesome. And actually like a big part of my, because when I was, as a teenager, I was extremely shy and really like socially awkward. And so being an actor, like I was on set and I was hanging out with adults, which I was way more comfortable with than teenagers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never thought that it was like my life's goal or like my life's work. Like I was just, it, it's interesting to me and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it and I'm, you know, I have a knack for it, but I, I never was like, oh yeah, like I totally like want to be an actor for a living. It's, it, it was just something I did. And then yeah, I went to I went to university for history, and I thought I actually thought I'd be like a professor. Hmm. Um, hmm. I was always into academics, and I thought that that was what I wanted to be. And then I kind of got sidetracked by music; like I just got really obsessed with it. And and then I was like, I can do music, and you know, I figured out how to record and how to write and how to play instruments, and and then it it took over. I'm not. I'm not sure how, but it did. <laughs> well, it's amazing, and you've actually won. I see here that you actually have won some acting awards. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I also see here that it says that you're uh, only five foot four. I am five foot four. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure that was accurate. I if, I I don't know what to trust anymore because I feel like you've been hiding this major secret from me, <laughs> and all the time we've known each other, I had no idea you were an actress. I, and I feel like a bad. This is like bad research. I'm, wow. Anyway, this is remarkable. But I, I. But in my defense, like, other than the fact that you're basically outing me, though, the Q did the same thing. You know, I, I have. Oh, like, they did. Oh, Q. I did. mean, I have been like pretty careful to keep the two things separate. Yeah. For all these years, you know, especially when I first started, because I just, I don't know, it just pissed me off. Like, like pretty much from age twenty to age what I am now, which is thirty. Like I worked on music like every day yeah, yeah you know yeah, and yeah. and i worked on acting too but i i like you know this year i i worked on murdoch and i did a few things but last year like i did not work at all you know <laughs> in acting. well that's just it i can't tell if i'm not suggesting either one is a lark but it does seem like you have been focusing a lot of your energy and time on music in recent years and totally that's why yeah. i'm just taking sorry i'm just taking it back and i'm sorry this all started out of a vaguely purient like how can you afford a house you're the weather station no i know i know it's 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 like it's it's always the thing like because people are like you how you know i always have to explain because it's it is actually very out of reach uh it would have been out out of reach for me even if i if i if i hadn't you know i i highly i i highly recommend when your children turn 10 or 11 i i'd highly recommend putting them in the workforce because honestly it's the best thing you can do financially is to work when your your needs are taken care of. You don't have to pay rent. You don't have to buy groceries. You don't have to. You don't even have to drive yourself around. Wait a minute. Are you, you talking know? about as a? Are you re- referring? <laughs> is this as a parent? You should do this. Like you should make your kid make all the money so you don't have to get groceries for. Is that what you're talking about? No, no. I'm just saying like. It's it's it's. I'm just making a joke that it's okay. good to work. It's good to work as a teenager because you don't have any expenses. I had a paper, so you're able I had to a paper, save. I had a paper route. I had a paper route, and I yeah. worked at a self-serve gas station. Like I've been working since I was ten or eleven Aww. or something. But yeah, yeah just, you just did it. You just did the thing. But you made you did the pity thing because you know I didn't make that movie money. That's anyway. That's remarkable <laughs> to me. And I'm sorry again. This came out of some 
yeah, maybe you say Q outed you. They just what they Google the weather because I noticed that on the IMDb it mentions the weather station. It does. You know what happened is just like I think like last year, the year before, somebody put it on Wikipedia. Oh, and once it's on Wikipedia, it's it's real. It's it's like you can't. Um, yeah, you can't go back so, from there. So, but your passion is music, and your work is you have a passion for acting as well, or no? Um. Well, I don't know. I, I have very mixed feelings about acting. I I definitely went through a long phase in my early 20s where I just, I was like, I'm quitting, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm out. Because I felt very strongly, you know, because I was young and idealistic. I was just like, the television business is fucked up. Right. You know, it's it's bad. You know, and, and it is. It can be. Especially, I think, when you're young. And I, yeah, I really I really disagreed with it sort of fundamentally. But, you know, at this point... I I'm I feel less idealistic about it, and you know something like Murdoch Mysteries or something like that. Like I actually think that's a a nice family show. There's that's, nothing wrong with that show, and and there's nothing wrong with television or movies that, in general. I think you know stories are powerful, but I wouldn't say no. It's it's not my passion. No, is Murdoch Mysteries a CBC show? No, it's not. It is, yeah. It is right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like it's on City TV up here. Anyway, it I, started on City TV. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Is it it used to be in City. Yeah. Well, I got to track down these episodes. I got to watch High Voltage for crying out loud. Will I understand the trajectory of Edna Brooks if I don't watch the 2008 um, thing? Uh, totally. I, yeah. Yeah. Will you I totally end, get it. So your next appearance seems to be on the waterfront part two. I think that was a few <laughs> episodes ago. I think that was the first. I think. That was the first episode I appeared on this year. I think the people titling the uh, episodes have a really good sense of humor. Because listen to some of these episode titles. The Keystone Constable. Constables. That's funny. High Voltage. That's clearly an ACDC reference. So I'm I'm that writer's pal right away. Murdoch Takes Manhattan. A Muppets reference. (laughs) Really. And then On the Waterfront Part 2. That's On the Waterfront. Yeah, very clever. Uh, Anyway, I, I think... I I'm just I have I, yeah I'm I'm blown away and I have I don't want to say I have more respect for you but this is just like a mind blowing thing where I've just learned <laughs> like there's a whole other side to you that I didn't even know about. I don't know I don't know why I'm so secretive. Well, you can't be now because it's on. I mean, no, I can't because it's on your podcast. It's on the internet. It's on every. It seems to be everywhere. I'm just late to the part. I guess I didn't Google. I just went to your website. It doesn't mention this in your bio. No. On your website. So anyway. All right, let's it's not, you know, you know what it is, Bish? I'm I'm like I'm very shy and I was I was bullied a lot in high school and for some reason I thought that if I told people that I was an actor they'd they'd make fun of me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> because Which, dra- because drama people are kind of nerds. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, people make fun of like most actors who make albums. Oh, but I don't consider oh, myself I an see. actor yeah, who made an album. What, oh, you know I, what I mean? I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Right. Like yeah. This, like people are like, the, like we, the weather station is some vanity project for this actress. Yeah, totally. And it's not, you know, obviously it's not remotely, but, you know, yeah, that, I think that was what I was afraid of in the beginning. I tell I you, I'll my, tell you what, yeah. when I hear of an actor or an actress that they say they made an album, I'm not, and even if it's someone I really like, I'm not that interested in in hearing the, like if no. it's an actor I like, if if I heard that uh, who's an actor I like, if Bill I Murray. heard, sh- eh, 
I do like Bill Murray, but the recent, you know, we've just endured this wave of here's all the male celebrities that have actually been accused of sexual assault or whatever. Like, I can't, he's among them now, and I'm, I knew this before. I don't know what's wrong with us. Because we, <laughs> it seems to take a few years before we'll let those things register with us. When like with Bill Cosby or whoever, oh, where, I know. We're like, yeah. I remember hearing it in two thousand six, but being like, well, I don't know, didn't really let it affect me. I think I subsequently, not because of that, but in I owned the Cosby Show box set. That show meant a lot to me when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, Bill Murray is now kind of like that for me. He's been. I've heard the. Have you heard the stories about they'll never believe you when it comes to Bill Murray? Have you heard that? No, I. You know, honestly, I followed the Gian thing very closely, and then I just was so kind of worn out by that that yeah. when the Cosby stuff came up, I was like, I, I don't need this in my life. I'm just not going to follow it. Right. I, I feel, I feel for the women involved. I feel for everybody involved, but I, I, I can't. Yeah. Follow another horror, like horrible, sad scandal. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm with you on it, and I, I mean, I at the same time, you want to you don't want it to go away because you, these are important issues and you want them addressed and you want justice and you want all those things. Like, I feel like part of the problem is that in 2006 with the Cosby stuff, whenever the allegations first surfaced, they did go away and mm-hmm. people didn't feel confident that they could say something. And now, you know, but anyway, Bill Murray's also in that school of dudes that have gotten away with stuff. And it, it seems, and, and, uh, anyway, if Daniel Day-Lewis put out a record, I don't know that I'd be as interested in that as I would be now, knowing your music. I kind of want to see your acting. It's not very good. No, no, no. I want to see it. I bet it's great because <laughs> I like your music and I like your songwriting in particular. And I think that, that I don't know, there's something about... This is why we do these interviews, I think. <laughs> With artistic mind, people with artistic minds, because you want to know more about them. I don't think it's nosiness. I think it's just basic human curiosity. People are making totally. stuff, and you want more insight. Like you're a big Bill Callahan fan. Totally. Yeah. So wouldn't you want to read an interview or hear an interview with Bill Callahan if, if you could? If it turned out he was actually like an accountant. Well, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, and you want <laughs> he might be. You he, never know. He, he might be. I. You can hear. He might it. not be paying the bills. I, I. I. definitely hear where you're coming from. The. The one thing I will say. The. The. The number one thing I didn't like about acting, and and always it's sort of the blessing and the curse about it is that it literally unless you're a, an Oscar nominated actor you have literally no power you're like the most powerless person it's really funny because there's oh really huh. yeah because like you don't you know if you're like a, a middle class canadian actor which is what i am and mm-hmm. have always been yeah like you know you can say like i really f-, you know like there have been tons of times when it's just like a line like doesn't even make sense you know or it's like just very silly and you might bring it up and they're just like oh okay great can you just say it anyway So then you just say it anyway. Yeah, it's very, I mean, like sometimes it it totally depends. But like for the most part, like you don't get much creative layway or or, or any. And the the problem too is that like, you you know, like you're saying like lines that somebody else wrote and you're like wearing clothes that somebody like literally like put on you. And then you're like, you know, everything about it is so controlled, you know, because they can't afford, it's so expensive to make television or film. Like they can't afford to have like some like, 
two-bit actor, like being like, I think that my character, you know, they're like, okay, great. Thank you. You know, (laughs) for the most part. And and that isn't to demean the craft. I'm just saying like, it's, it's, you know, I think if you're, if you're, you know, Kate Blanchett, that's an art. And, but I think that acting in, in, in sort of Canadian television, especially if it's not your show, it's, it's a, it's a craft, you know, it's a craft that you have to work at and be capable of doing, but it has nothing, you know, the finished product, like, you know, may or may not be what you thought it should be, you know, like it's, yeah, you have very little control. But having said all that, having said all that, do you also think that acting or actors and actresses are given too much import? Are we overrating these people for remembering what other people told them to say? <laughs> um, you know, well, uh, you know, I'd be careful, but you know, maybe. I mean, yes and no. I think it's actually very difficult. You know, like having been an actor for example i think that like you know bruce willis for example is like you know if you're like a person that can like run around and like shoot machine guns and then like say a line like that's actually you know we kind of overrate certain types of acting and underrate others you know Mm -hmm. like it's just as difficult to be tom cruise as it is to be in this like arty movie you know i i think it's it's all i find it all very difficult because it's it's hard to the whole thing's quite hard, actually, I think. It but... is. I'm not saying it's not hard. I just think mm-hmm. that maybe what you're... Hmm. I don't know if you were saying this, but there is this school of thought that, in particular, it seems to really come to light when there are writer's strikes, where people finally yeah. pay attention to the people creating the stuff that everyone is saying. Yeah, And, and totally. how, how we don't know who they are. We know who Dolph Lundgren is, but we don't know the majestic scribe who came up with Ivan Drago's amazing catchphrases in Rocky four. I don't know why I use that as an example, but yeah, I don't know who Dolph Lundgren is, but yeah, no, totally. (laughs) I, I, I completely agree with you. And and it is, I think the thing that's funny about like our society and, and, and probably why the way that I sort of treat my own work the way I do is that, you know, like people have this confusion about what an actor is like they, it sounds really childish, but people really do confuse actors with like the roles they play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, and they also confuse actors with sort of their career. Like they're like, oh, like so and so lives this glamorous life, and it's like, I, you know, probably they don't. You know, probably like people. I I don't know why people have chosen actors. I think it's that if you're in a movie theater and you see someone's face like really big. It has an effect on you. Happens with TV too. I think, like, but it happens with TV too. I think that's just because, like, if you watch someone, you know, if you're on Netflix and you watch like a whole season of a television show, that's intense. It's because it's it's because it's messing with your own cognitive abilities and imagination to see something that seems surreal on your yeah. TV or in a movie in real life. I was at a Raptors game and some B-list sportscaster walked up to our section. And I'm not, I don't know him. He's from Sportsnet or something. And people were losing it. Like, just yeah. like there's a guy in a suit that they've recognized from TV. And just, and it's happened to me too. I'm a B list, C list, D list guy. And sometimes I yeah. get on, people put me on TV to do things every once in a while. And that's it. Like, people remember that and they totally. can't believe it. It's weird. And I don't, I, yeah. Anyway, I think that's, I think that's what it is. We make too big a deal about 
people on video. <laughs> it, totally. No, totally. No, it's, it's a very powerful thing. And, and, you know, you, you have to remember that like the, the people behind television and film are like, have recognized that this is a powerful tool and then they like figure out how to harness it. And, and then they, they use they people. Man- manipulate us. They manipulate totally. us with <laughs> their drama and their whatever. And that's what it is. It's all manipulation. And that's why I think some of us are starting to, I love movies to some extent, but I'm get, growing more and more disenchanted with the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually went through a couple years, uh, the last couple years, actually, I actually literally didn't watch any narrative features or narrative television. And I only watched like documentaries, like if I watched TV at all. Hmm. And it was very refreshing. And I, it kind of just happened naturally. It just sort of stopped. I just lost interest. I was just like, this is so manipulative. Like, it's not reality, you know. And yeah. now, I, now I'm starting to watch TV again. And it's interesting. You know, because I can appreciate the craft again. You know, it's it's fun to appreciate, like the writer thought. You know, the writer like figured out a plot and yeah, yeah, very... yeah. I'm mystified by that. I I, I, yeah. I do find that really interesting. Well, listen, this was mind blowing. I was not expecting this <laughs> turn. We spent the last whatever talking about movies and acting and you and I. Yeah, that's, totally. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So I think we this what this actually means is that when you do put out this album, Loyalty, which you made with Bahamas, Afi Irvinen, and Robbie Lackritz, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that. Yes, extensively next time because we've covered this. I mean, I may catch up with you about acting and and uh, and and stuff like that in case you've done anything else. If you're in a movie with Tom Cruise and Daniel Day Lewis, uh, then I'll want to ask you about that. But, I am not. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any case, I I I I want to thank you for being on the show, and I wanted to. So you're going to be on my talk show. Yes. And thank you for saying yes to that. Do you know what you're going to do? Um, no, I have no idea. You're going to do a couple songs? Maybe a song? I'm going to do a couple songs, yeah, okay. for sure. We'll see what we, we can get you to do. Well, this is this is good news, and I'm happy about that. So once again, the Weather Station has released a new EP. It's called What Am I Going to Do With Everything I Know, which is how I feel now that I know so much about Tamra. <laughs> Uh, no. It's out now and you've changed records and uh, sometime this spring you can look out for the new album Loyalty as we just discussed. And yep. again, the weather station playing a song or two on my long night talk show at Long Winter at the Great Hall in Toronto on Friday, January 9th at around 8 p.m. Do you have any other plans uh, beyond this show? I know you're kind of lying low. I, I, was, I was like, other plans? Well, I have a doctor's appointment. No, no, I, no, no, no. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know about that. Um, yes, no, I don't, I don't really have met that many plans. I, uh, I, yeah, like the, I was just finishing up the record and like, you know, it's, it's actually a lot of work to master it and think yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. you know, like all the art's done. I, I, we actually just submitted it yesterday, so it's all done and I have all this spare time now to think about, um, what I'm going to do and then I guess when it comes out in May, I'll be on the road and in the world and will, again. And it'll be out on You've Changed? I'm not 100% sure how I'm putting it out exactly. Oh, okay. But I am putting it out in like the rest of the world as well. Like I, uh, I'm i working with a label in the States, which is really great. And you're going to keep that under your hat for now, I assume. I'm going to keep everything under my hat. Except I'm so for, secretive. Yeah, you are. That's good. I'm sorry for prying, but... <laughs> I, uh, anyway, for more... It's an interview. You ask questions and I have to answer them. I will say I'm happy with myself for being my <laughs> normal, prying, got some interesting information out of someone's self after all this time off. 
I good work to me. Good good work to me for being me, I guess. For more information, oh, please visit yeah. the weather-station.com, you've changed records.com and torontolongwinter.com. Tamara, is there a song from uh, the new EP that we can play for people before uh before uh, play any of them. I like them all. No, I want you to pick one. I don't uh, I I and I don't know if we should No, you pick one. I was going to uh, make a suggestion even, but I find ooh. that the choosing of the song is even insightful at, at this point. Well, let's just play the the title track. Okay, why? Um cuz it's it's short and quite beautiful. <laughs> okay. I like the pedal steel. I think it's a humorous and revealing title. It's a humorous and uh and uh lovely title, I think. I'm glad you see it as humorous. I I actually I feel like humor is because of the bare naked ladies. I'm not sure why. Humor <laughs> is very maligned Absolutely. in 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 music and I there's lots of my lyrics. I have a lyric on the new album that's like a hundred percent sarcastic and i put it in quotation marks because i was being sarc I, i'm sarcastic in lyrics sometimes but i do mean what am i going to do with everything i know but it also is funny it is very funny and you're yeah. very funny and i and i I, <laughs> I always enjoy i also i take special uh pride in making you laugh because i have feel like you're a bit dis you're a discerning laugher <laughs> maybe you're not i'm just i just disproved my own thesis this is What Am I Going to Do with Everything I Know by the uh, Weather Station. Tamara, it was really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for being on <laughs> Thanks, the show. Fish. Okay, thank you. Of a cup as 
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 